Well, again, as we read 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, <clears throat> God is able to make all grace abound toward you, the always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. This is a verse that God has used to encourage me at many times and many uh, opportunities and situations to serve the Lord. And so I just want us to look at it tonight, be encouraged and exhorted about it. You know, really, uh, Christian life really isn't easy. And I think that's one reason, like Jesus, when, you know, before he was crucified, he told his disciples, uh, watch and pray. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And, uh, and the thing about it, we may have the desire in our spirit, but, you know, it can be a real struggle sometimes, especially when we fight the flesh, fight the world, and fight the devil <clears throat> to be able to live a life that brings honor and glory to the Lord. And, uh, of course, on the other hand, uh, please understand the context of what I'm saying. When Jesus said the, the flesh is weak, uh, really I find the flesh is strong because I have a hard time fighting it all the time. You know? And uh, so, uh, therefore, we need God's grace to live a life that honors Him. And so let's pray before we start. Lord, we come to you this evening and we do thank you for the great God that you are. And we thank you, Father, for the, your will, your way, your wisdom, and your desire for how we ought to live our lives. And Lord, we just pray that you'd give us the encouragement, the exhortation that we need tonight, so that we may truly be a uh, person that reflects how great you are. In Christ's name we ask it. Amen. As we get started, as we think about the word grace, of course we know it is God's grace whereby we're saved. For by grace are you saved. And uh, that, that's such a wonderful thing. I mean, the more uh, as we read the scriptures and get to understand what we're really like, then it helps magnify the greatness of God's grace. And that God would save sinners like you and I. And it, is, it takes the grace of God. But I'd like for us as we think about grace... Uh, I know there are a lot of people have a lot of different definitions, but for the sake of this evening, I'd like for us to consider the definition of grace as God's riches that enables us to do His will. God's riches that enables us to do His will. And of course, we know that starts by receiving Christ as our Savior, born in the family of God, and then uh, once we're saved, our life is just beginning. You know, it's just kind of like... Uh, uh, you know, when young couples have a baby, they think, finally, that's over. Now I can relax. No, the work is just starting. <laughs> and that's the way it is as a baby Christian. Our life is just starting. Thank the Lord we are saved. And we're born in the family of God, but our work is really just starting. And the Lord knows that it will take us the rest of our lives. I'm so thankful for that verse in Philippians 1, 6, which said, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work and you will perform it to the day of Christ, is that God's continually working in our lives till He takes us home to glory. And as we be honest with ourselves, we definitely need that. Uh, there's times I get on my back porch in the swing. Good meditation purpose, uh, place, you know. Uh, the big backyard and hearing the birds and everything. And, and I get thinking about what God's done in my life. And I think, well, God, I am so thankful for your patience with me. And uh, I just, you know, cry out to him, Lord, keep working. May not always enjoy it, but keep on working. And so I'd like for us to consider tonight some things. 
Uh, first of all, I'd like for us to consider, we think about when God uh, is talking here about His grace is all sufficient. Notice, let's kind of start at the end of the verse and consider that. Because notice what it says, uh, verse 8, that may abound to every good work. Every good work. I'd like for us to consider, first of all, remind us what are some of the works God wants us to do as a child of God. And the first thing that I think is of utmost importance is the work of living a holy life. I know I mention that a lot, but I think it's because when you look at the Scriptures, God mentions it a lot. Like in Ephesians chapter 1, what does he say there in Ephesians chapter 1? It's, uh, verse 4, According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. You go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, uh, where he mentions something there also. Uh, I'm going the wrong direction. Uh, chapter 4, verse 7, For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. Then you go to 1 Peter chapter 1, where it says, Whereas I am holy, so be ye holy in all conversation. God wants us to be holy vessels. I mean, we need to even go back to the uh, Old Testament about like the priest, how they had, you know, even the band across the forehead, holiness into the Lord. God's trying to get, it under, get us to understand that He wants His children to live a holy life. Now, holiness is a twofold, uh, you might say, two edged sword. One, it's running from sin. And we need to constantly be listening to the Holy Spirit that convicts us of sin. And the thing about it is, by the time you and I get victory over one sin, the Holy Spirit's going to show us another one, and then another one, and then another, because he, he wants us holy in every part of our being. But, but holiness is not only running from sin, but it's also running to God. See, it's one thing to say, well, I'm just going to live a good life. I'm going to be sure I don't sin. I'm going to concentrate on that. That's not the fullness of holiness. Part of holiness is also, Lord, I'm, I want to please you. I want to serve you. I want to walk with you. So holiness, again, it's a, it's a twofold thing. And so God's desire is that we live holy lives. And that should be a, such a primary focus in our heart. Lord, I want to please you. Lord, I want to walk with you. I want to fellowship with you. And so that means dealing with sin in our life. And God is saying, look, if His grace abounds, that means His grace will enable us to have victory over sin in our lives. Because again, like Jesus said, the flesh is weak. It's, we so easily sin. I mean, isn't it, isn't it something how that you and I can get up in the morning and with a big cup of coffee and have a wonderful time of devotion and then one hour, one hour later snap at your spouse like that? Oh, thank you. Somebody's being honest. And so it's something that we have to constantly keep before us. Lord, I, I, want, to, I want to let you so work in all, because it said in all manner of conversation, our thought life. God's especially, you know what it's like. Lord, I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to keep a pure mind. And before you know it, there goes an advertisement on TV or on the Internet. They're like, oh, my goodness. The devil just trying to trip us up like that again. Or it could be worry, not trusting the Lord. It could be bitterness. Somebody, you know, or uh, I've got a friend that uh, he's terrible about road rage. I remember I'll be, if he's driving while I'm talking with him on the phone, it's nothing, it's nothing for me to hear him holler, you idiot! 
you know, and stuff like that. And it's like, no, calm down, calm down, you know, just take it easy, okay? And so what kind of spirit is that? That's an angry spirit. God's concerned about every area of our lives. He wants us to be holy. And God will, by His grace, enable us to strive out to be holy. Because see, God wants a clean vessel. See, God is more concerned about our walk with Him than He is about our service. I mean, I love that song about a passion for thee where it says, you know, fill with our spirit, not just for service, but also that I may, I don't remember exactly the wording is, but that I may walk with you, that I may love you. God is more concerned about our character than he is about our service. Because as far as what God uses, remember when Jesus was going in on the, the triumphant entry? And, they, and the people hollered, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. And the Pharisees were saying, Jesus, tell them to be quiet. And he said, well, if they're quiet, then what's going to happen? The stones would cry out. So God doesn't have to use us, but he wants to. But he wants a clean vessel. He wants a clean vessel. And so, yes, his grace will enable us to strive for a holy life. And oh, that is so important. Let's go on and consider a few things. I think they're in Ephesians chapter 5. And I'm going to really meddle here a little bit. That's what preachers do, you know. Uh, but it says there in uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 5, um, Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And you know what he does then? He then immediately goes into talking about the home life. I firmly believe the greatest indicator of our walk with the Lord is how we are at home. You, can, you and I can come to church, put on the biggest smile, sound the most pious, sing songs, you know, amen, look decent. But if we're not right with home, we're not right with God. Husbands, are you loving your wife as Christ loved the church? I'm not asking, is she lovable? God is saying, husband, are you loving your wife like Christ loved the church? Are you willing to give of yourself, give up of some of the things you would like to do, some of the things that may be important to you so you could minister love to your wife? So many men are so self-centered so bullheaded, and you ladies be quiet, okay, thank you. We don't realize that a spirit-filled husband, his wife is going to know she's loved. You know, I was reading, uh, if you ever read the book Love and Respect, it brings out, which I think is very wise in what he's bringing out, is that you know why God says husbands love your wives? Because that's her greatest need. That's her greatest need. To know that you love her, that you're willing to do anything for her. And I'm not talking about, um, you know, doing something wrong, but just loving her, expressing it verbally, expressing it physically, and, and doing things for her, knowing that, you know, she's the most important person in your life. Spending time with her. Because husbands, if you and I are not 
loving our wives with all of our heart, we're not right with God. So husbands, seek God's face. You say, but Lord, but Brother Dale, you, you don't know my wife. No, I don't. But I do, not, I do know about God's grace. His grace will enable you to love her when she's unlovable. And wives, you can stop being relaxed now. It's your turn. As a wife, as God says, husbands love your wives, he says, wives, see that you submit in your husband. See that you reverence your husband. Why? Because that's his greatest need, to be respected, to be supported, to be encouraged. I mean, again, you think about it. I mean, the average football game, what, what generally speaking is what? They've got the girls being the cheerleaders, cheering the guys on. Ladies, we need your encouragement. We need your support. We need your respect. So, well, I'll start giving him respect when he deserves it. Okay, well, then he'll just start loving you when you deserve it. I mean, it goes both ways, doesn't it? See, we love whether the person's lovable or not, and you show respect whether they deserve it or not. Because a husband, that's what they need. They need to be encouraged. They need to be bragged upon. Say, well, that's being awful bigoted and and, uh, boastful and prideful of the men. I'm sorry, but that's just the way God made us. Not prideful, I'm not saying that. <laughs> okay, but I'm just saying that that need is there. And your submissiveness to follow his leadership is of utmost importance. And we need to remember, I didn't say it. It's not Baptist doctrine. It's plainly in Scripture. God made us, and he knows what's best for us. And so he tells us, here's how to have a spirit-filled home life. If you do it, God's glorified. You say, but preacher, you don't know my husband. No, but I know God's grace. I know God's grace. Parents, of course, most, most everybody here, I think, are more grandparents than anything. Someone was asking me about uh, Terry, my future wife, uh, has any... Uh, children said, yeah, she's got three children and 14 grandchildren and one great-grandchild. And I say I do, and I'm an instant grandpa. 14 grandkids. Okay. And uh, one, some of the younger ones are already texting me all the time, wanting to get to know grandpa, you know. Uh, but um, what kind of influence are we upon our children and grandchildren? And children can be a challenge. Because we were when we were a kid. It says, Fathers, bring up your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. See, our goal and our focus is striving to, to influence our children towards God. To follow biblical principles. Now, children can have their own free will. Yes, they do. And grandparents, you need to, as God gives you opportunity, help reinforce that. I mean, you're not the parent, but as a grandparent, be a godly influence. And God will give grace to be a godly parent. Let's think also about our service. We think about holy living, we think about our home life, we think about our service. What is God wanting to use, how has God wanted to use you in serving Him?
God's grace is sufficient for you to abound in every good work, whether it's preaching. I mean, I, I, I mean <clears throat> I'll be the first to tell you, I need God's grace to preach. I mean, like I, I'm from, you know, Alabama and live most of my married life in West Virginia, so I'm that hickbilly. And so, like, how can God use a hickbilly, all right, by his grace, by his grace, teaching Sunday school? But, you know, he said every good work. You know, I thank the Lord for the people we have in our church that do the sound booth and work on the turf team, work in the nursery, do the cleaning and things like that. And, you know, God wants to use you to be a flavor of a, a perfume, so to speak, of God's grace by the way you serve in any and every capacity. And His grace will enable you to do it. By having the sweet spirit, by doing your best. Because what does it Paul tell in Colossians? Whatsoever you do, do heartily as unto not the pastor, not to me, but to the Lord. That's to be our focus. And so His grace will enable us in every work to be the servant He wants us to be. Of course, also you go back to Ephesians chapter 5 and 6. He even talks about how servants are supposed to be their masters. Of course, that's referring more definitely towards slavery, but I think that applies to our work. What kind of flavor, for the lack of a better term, are we given to our work environment about our walk with the Lord? Honesty, integrity, sweet spirit, Hardworking, diligent. That's part of that holy living. And that's part of what that's one of the every good work. God will enable us to live by His grace to live a life at work that honors Him. You know, you know I know some of y'all work in some places that I mean, the, the language is filthy, the jokes are filthy, the attitude's filthy, the peer pressure might be filthy. But God will give you the grace to live a holy life, even at work. And so, yes, every good work. What about witnessing? You know, God wants to use us as His children to reflect God to the world. And His grace will enable us to do it. You say, well, I, I can't witness. In whatever capacity you have, and all I really appreciate and enjoy, I mean, uh, uh, think of uh, Brother Pastor, how he talks about divine appointments. And I mean, yeah, you know, going door to door may be one way, but what about just being available and say, Lord, you just use me. If, if it's nothing else, invite them to church. Because, I mean, when you invite somebody to church, you're automatically be speaking God. And God wants us to be a witness as he gives opportunity. I mean... Please understand that in the context, I have really enjoyed all of these HVAC equipment breaking down. Because I've had so many witnessing opportunities when the guys come here to work on it. Okay, I've given out a lot of tracts and Vitam Church and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's just like opportunities as God opens up the door. God wants us to be a witness. And His grace will enable us to be the witness we ought to be. I think of, I had something happen to me this past Monday that I'd never had happen before. Now, many a time, and I know a lot of you have done the same thing, you go out to eat, and you leave a gospel track. Now, please, if you do leave a gospel track, be sure you leave a really good tip. Don't, don't leave a bad taste in their mouth because you're stingy, okay? 
All right. But uh, I, so I went to Dino's, my favorite breakfast place. And uh, I was sitting there drinking my coffee, waiting for my food. And, and the waitress comes by and she lays a track on my desk, on my table. The waitress gave me one. And I thought, wow, that's different. And so I got talking and talking with her. And I said, so you're a Christian? She said, yes. She said, about four years ago, I surrendered my life to Jesus. And I just wanted to do all I could for him. And I said, well, that's wonderful. And that was just such a blessing. She had surrendered her life and was doing what she could. What about trials? Oh, how we need God's grace when we deal with trials. It's so easy to get bitter or have a nasty spirit when we get sick. You know that? It, uh, we can get grouchy, especially us guys. But trials can be hard. Whether it's financial, relationships, physical. I think so much of my father-in-law, I've shared this with you, but it's been a good while, but my mother-in-law had MS. She, she took it when she was fairly young, I think in her 40s, and her health started gradually going down. And, and so it got to the point that she could no longer work. It was getting to the point that she couldn't even stand up at the sink to wash dishes. So my father-in-law retired early, 1984, to start taking care of her. And gradually she went down, down, down from that to a reclining chair, the one of the motorized, to a wheelchair, to where she was totally bedfast for the last few years. And my father-in-law took care of her day in and day out. He'd sleep in the bed in the next room so he could hear her during the night. He'd wake up in the middle of the night to check on her. Did that for years. She passed away in 1998. So that would have been what? 14 years. And I remember we had the farm there in West Virginia, about 120 acres. And one of his things relaxing is getting in his F-150 and driving around the farm at a pace that I could walk faster. But he had a little sticker on the side of his dashboard that said, where God's will leads, God's grace, God's grace enables. And he lived it. God gave him the grace to fulfill his vow in sickness or in health till death do us part. God gave him the grace to do what he had to do. And God will give you and I the grace no matter what the trial may be. We don't know what the future has. We may all sometime or another wind up like my mother-in-law. I mean, I had a sister-in-law, married my second brother. She was 26, I believe she was got the worst case of MS in history. Within three months, she could not walk, she could not talk, she could not see, she could not do anything. And my brother was faithful to take care of her for 20 years, I believe it was, until she was gone. God's grace enables us. When we realize, I think of so much in 1 Thessalonians, that everything, give thanks. Why? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And what it might be for you may be different than him or her. But whatever God's will is for your life, he will give you and I the grace we need to do it, to respond to it in a way that glorifies him. And how does he do that? By giving us his grace. So God's will is that we lean upon his grace in every 
good work. Now I'd like for us to concentrate upon the second thought of this verse. And that is God's glory. Because notice what it says, and God is able. See, when we respond to life the way God wants us to, leaning upon His grace, strengthened and undergirded by His grace, who gets the glory? To God be the glory. It's His grace. It's just like I remember my, my dad was talking to my brother and uh, telling him, he said, Rodney, I don't see how in the world you've been so faithful for all these years. And Rodney's response was, God's grace. God's grace. See, we need to remember also that in our service for the Lord or any other situation, we cannot go in the strength of our personality. Some people think, well, I've, I've got a charismatic personality. I'm really intelligent. I can handle this. Well, just, just watch. God's going to let you trip up, find out if you're trying it in your own strength and you're going to flub up. But see, when we say, but, and God is able, who gets the focus? Who gets the glory? It's God, because that's where it's supposed to be. See, well, it could be our personality or our talents or our gifts. I mean, you may have somebody that plays the piano well or sings well. But let me tell you, let me encourage you, anybody in the musical realm, be sure you spend a lot of time praying before you minister so that it's God working through you, not resting upon your ability and strength and gift. Or whether it may be, whether it be financial uh, uh, wisdom or, or, or organizational abilities, computer abilities, Remember just God by His grace has given you what you and I need in order to glorify Him. And God is able. So it's God's glory. It's not ourselves. We need to remember that. And then I'd like for us to consider next God's sufficiency in that. We can never drain the grace of God. Because notice what it says, God is able to make, what's that next little word? All grace, do what? Abound. And then it says that ye always have an all sufficiency in all things, may abound. God's grace is totally sufficient for all that we need. We can never drain it dry. Praise God for that truth. Yes, we may get weary, we may get tired, but just like what Paul said, it said the outward, outward man may, uh, may get tired, I'm paraphrasing here, but the inward man is renewed every day. Renewed how? By leaning upon His grace. Every day we need to re- properly respond, Lord, give me grace to live this day for Your glory. To respond in a way to whatever may come this day, in a way that honors You. His grace is all sufficient. I think of a, of a verse that encouraged me in a situation which I'll share with you in a minute after we read the verse. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 says, Now unto him that is able, there's that word able again, to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power, His grace, worketh in you. I know when I was pastoring in West Virginia, small church, about 30 people, and then the Lord opened up the door for me to take a pastorate in Pennsylvania. And, and, I'm, and I say this not in any negative way. I just, it is who I am. I'm thinking, what's a hick Billy going to do in, up there in Pennsylvania with all those, uh, you know, those people up there? And <clears throat> this is the verse that God encouraged me with. That whatever God calls me to, 
He will enable me to. And God blessed the church. When I got there the first Sunday, we had 60 people. The second Sunday, we had 40. I said, this is not a good start. (laughs) But through the years, God blessed that we were running between 160 and 170. Not because of this guy, because of God's grace doing a work. He's able to do far more than we'd expect of using us for His glory. Why? Because His grace is all sufficient. It is always there. It's all grace. Whatever we need, He is totally sufficient in His grace to enable us to be a vessel to His glory. So we consider God's will, God's glory, God's sufficiency, and then we want to consider God's exhortations. They go, okay, well, how do I get all this grace? How do I get it all? What does God say in two verses? God resisteth the who? Proud, but giveth what? To who? The humble. What's another way we could say the humble? The surrendered. The yielded. Where in our heart we say, Lord, this is, my, this is your life. And I want you to use me however you desire, wherever you desire, in whatever capacity. And Lord, I just need your grace to be able to live a life today that honors and glorifies you. Help me to treat my wife the way I ought to. Help me to treat my husband the way I ought to. Help me to respond to my children the way I ought to. Help me to be a good worker at work. A good testimony to my neighbor. Give me grace and wisdom to be honest and integrity with my finances. And, and control in my thought life. Lord, I'm yours. You do with me what you desire. And I need your grace to do it. Just yield. I mean, you think about it. It's kind of an interesting terminology. And we don't have many farmers here. Um, in West Virginia, almost everybody had a farm or doing something. But, you know, and, uh, but you think about it, a lot of times they say, well, you, you plant a row of beans, you row of potatoes, and a familiar farmer's term is, well, how much did it, what, yield? The idea of, like, how much came out of the ground from that one corn, kernel of corn, that one potato. Remember how Jesus talked about the parable, about the sowing of the seed? And there at the end, it says, the good ground brought some 30, some 40, some 100-fold. But it had to be upon good ground. Good ground that was fertile, soft, saturated, yielded to the seed. And the God, let me think about it. I mean, how anybody could believe in evolution beyond me? When you think of all the intricacies of everything, I mean, you do the, the relation of the sun, the moon, and the earth, the tide flowing back and forth, trees, I mean, you think how many uses we get out of trees and all the different things. But you think about how you take one little piece of corn, put it in dirt, and we get corn on the cob. We get grits. Praise God for that. <laughs> Just one little kernel. That's a miracle. That's a miracle what God does. And he can do the same thing in your life and mine. And by his power, by his grace, he just wants us to yield, surrender. 
And then also Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. God's Word says this, and I'll give you my interpretation, and you may not agree with me, that's fine. But in Ephesians 4, 7, it says, But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. And I think what God is saying here is that God gives us all the grace you and I need for whatever particular task He has for your life and mine. You say, man, I'm telling you, think about these preachers that preach to thousands of people. God gave them the grace to do what He called Him to do. So, well, I, I, I don't really do anything. I'm just a housewife. God will give you the grace to be a godly housewife. And praise God for godly housewives. Whatever God's called us to do, He measures out to whatever grace we need to do His will. We just got to yield. Surrender. Say, Lord, I'm yours. Use me as you want. And so as we conclude the thought for this morning, or this evening, what does God want for your life? I assume and hope that every, each and every one of you are right in the middle of doing what God's called you to do. Being what God wants you to be. To maximize your potential daily. We need to cry out to God. Lord, I surrender and I ask for your grace to work in my life this day for your glory. And God will be glorified. And we will be fulfilling our created and redeemed purpose as a child of God. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Oh, Father, how we praise you and thank you for your all-sufficient grace. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to every one of our hearts tonight. There might be some here dealing with some sin in their life. May they run to you for your grace to get victory. Somebody here might be struggling in their relationship with their husband or wife or their children. Lord, may they run to you for your grace. There may be some here that is discouraged, thinking that you're not using them. Lord, may they just humble themselves and trust in your sovereign grace. Lord, do a work in our lives. Because when it's for your glory, we know it's for our good. In Christ's name we ask it. Amen.